And welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Corbell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time I'm speaking with Jared Carter, who is the, um, shall I use the phrase, genius behind the fantastic podcast, <laughs> uh, Desert Skies. I've probably embarrassed him now by saying that. Mm, indeed. Um, which is, well, we'll let him explain that to us. Hey, Jared, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. I've listened to the show a few times and I love I love your voice. If I ever do allow other voices into the show, you could always play a fantastic um, interviewer, I think. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know whether anyone's noticed, but that is a different microphone to usual. I've changed microphones now today. So I'm using nice. a, a condenser microphone as opposed to my old... Um, SM58 that I used used to use that's down there at the moment. I'm running an Audio Technica something something something. I have no idea. But, but this has more power to it as well because it's got its own um like am amplifier as well the microphone has. So there you go. Wow. Sounds like you know your microphones. I I, I have no idea. I'm really I, terrible at this yeah. stuff if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't know anything. I I, I trained as a as a sound engineer. Oh, years you did? and years ago. Nice. So I've got all sorts of equipment and microphones and all sorts all over. So actually, here we go. I'll actually let you describe the show uh, oh. for people that might not have heard the show before. Yeah. Um, Desert Skies is a gas station in the afterlife that lies between uh, the physical plane, the plane that we're in now. And the next plane of existence, uh, which we don't really know anything about in the show. So you die on the physical plane, you arrive in the astral plane, and it's the job of those who work at the Desert Skies gas station to prepare you for your journey through the astral plane, through the celestial spheres, um, so that you can make it safely into the next life, whatever that might be. Well, it's definitely very original and incredibly creative. So what made you actually think about the show? What Where did the idea come from? Even though before we were chatting, I know that your family has a history with gas stations. So mm. was that an inspiration? No, not at all, because I only found out I only found out about that. I want to say in the last week, wow. week that my great grandfather on my mom's side uh, owned a gas station in, I believe it's Stanfield, Arizona. So for those who are familiar with Arizona, somewhere between Phoenix and Tucson. Um, and that was, that gave me, that gave me chills. Uh, yeah. just the, the picture of the gas station and you can find it on, um, my website, desert skies, podcast.com. Uh, it's, it's almost exactly the the station that's on the album art that I envisioned for 
for Desert wow. Skies. So yeah, pretty wow. fascinating. But um, I think it came from a few different places. Anybody who grew up in the type of area that I grew up in, um, it's very desolate. It's very um, isolated. And depending on where you are and where I was, it certainly was just in the middle of the Sonoran Desert um, for for years growing up. You you find the desert to be a bit of a it's a bit of a magical place, I think, in part because it's so I allude to this in the show, but it's so dangerous. I don't understand why people live in the desert uh, in particular, but. I've come to love and appreciate it a lot over the years. The fact that you kind of have this ecosystem that's hell bent on hurting you in some way, whether it's a cactus or a scorpion. We have some of the most painful in the world here. Um, spiders, rattlesnakes, it's, it's all out there. There's not a whole lot of what people would consider uh, natural beauty in the classical sense, but uh, it you come to appreciate it and you come to see it and you start to miss it when you're away from it and especially at night i feel like there's just something magical and mystical about the desert um that's kind of commingled with as soon as i could drive one of my favorite things to do uh was to get in the car and just go i love getting lost there was a time in my life when i didn't have a cell phone or when i did um, there wasn't a lot of coverage area. There were still places where you could get lost. And so just driving out into the desert and visiting ghost towns and doing all these different things and just wondering, like, how am I going to get home or am I on someone's personal property, whatever, <laughs> just something. <laughs> there's just something kind of um, magical and exciting about it. And one of the things that you come across uh, a lot and less so now is old gas stations in Arizona. And I think there is something... There is something about a gas station, an older gas station off the side of uh, an empty road lit up only from the inside and with a little neon on the outside that is just beautiful and mysterious and kind of scary. And we actually lived in a place where there was a gas station like that. And I remember driving by it one time at night and I just thought, if there was any way that I could support a family and work here overnight, this would be my job. It, you know, the different people you get to meet driving down the freeway um, and the type of odd characters, that's, that's another piece that I think inspired it was I worked at a hotel overnight. One of my, one of my first uh, real jobs was working overnight in a hotel at Comfort Inn. Um, yeah. And the type of people who show up at a hotel uh, at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight are a different breed of people. They're strange. And I think people would say I'm a little strange and we just got along famously well. And so there's something uh, about this podcast where it was and I and I toyed around with doing with making it a horror podcast, which it certainly is not by any means. I, but yeah. I saw that that was so popular and there was this part of me that's like, well, I want people to listen to my show if I'm going to make one. Um, it ended up absolutely uh, not being that. Um, 
because I wanted to make something that I would enjoy making. And what I wanted to make was a place that I could live in my mind and not to just keep rambling on, but that's probably been my favorite piece of feedback that I get from folks ever so often is I just like living there. I just like listening and imagining that I'm there. Like that's their getaway place and it's mine too. And so it's cool to be able to know that I'm sharing that sharing in that with people. Well, it's definitely got a comforting uh, feel to it when I listen to it. Like you said, there's nothing, there's no horror involved in it at all, really. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, like you said, it's, or like I said, it's it's comfortable listening. It's sort of like, okay, it's about a subject that some people in different circumstances or or looked at another way, it could be seen as a bit of a sad sort of mm show if you if you were taking it from another angle because mm-hmm. it's about people who've passed away and then the in, in this place but it's not taken that way at all there is like i said there's a calmness to it and a and and a, almost like a friendly feel to it when i listen to it hmm. yeah that was one of the things i think that that surprised me i think that i believe that i'm being a lot more um intense than i actually am so when i was in social situations oftentimes i'll leave and i'll tell my wife i'll ask my wife what do i need to apologize for what did i say i feel like i was coming off really strong and she's like what what do you what do you what are you hearing yourself say like no you're fine you were really (laughs) you were really nice to people um so maybe there's just a fear of like displeasing people in that way i'm i'm not sure i'll have to think about that uh but i think for one of the things that was really surprising to me was when people started telling me that they listened to the show to fall asleep. And that, that actually upset me a little bit at first. I'm like, wow. So my show is so boring that people feel like they can put it on and, and just drift off. Um, but then as I've gotten more feedback from people over the time or over time, um, they, they do find it in a lot of cases, supremely comforting. And even to the extent where it, um, I was surprised by this, folks who say that it's just helped to um, re- not entirely remove, but, you know, help them to overcome a lot of their fear of death that they had. I don't think that's because they're looking at the show as, well, this is exactly what happens. I don't think there's anyone who listens and goes, well, I'm showing up at this gas station. Maybe statistically there is one or two people who who really believe that. And if they form their own religion, I'd be happy to visit their church at some time, uh, at some point in time. But um, I think for most people, it's simply exposure therapy because it's something that we don't talk about unless, uh, you know, we see death being treated either in an extremely... Um, in an extremely unimportant way, like in a John Wick film or something yeah. similar, um, or we see it not being discussed at all because we don't like to think about the fact that we're, you know, going to die. And so having something that kind of gently helps to remind people of that without making it feel scary, because I, I don't think it sh- should be scary. Um, it's just really 
yeah, that's been that's been encouraging. Um, it's more than I could have hoped for, I think, in that regard. So were you already inspired by other shows to to go into writing a podcast then? Specifically an audio drama. I don't I don't know that there is one specific show, but I am um I have always been a consumer of all kinds of media and and stories. And so I think some combination of everything that I've loved over the course of my life has somehow managed to make Desert Skies what it is. Things like Cheers. Yeah. The show Cheers. Just the familiarity of and and the love and the camaraderie camaraderie mixed with, you know, some some uh tension and conflict at different points. Um X Files, yep. huge. Uh, Tw- Twilight Zone, in terms of you know the different monster of the week kind of kind of thing that we deal with. Um, so th- there's 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 so much. Uh, and then I've heard other people say it reminds them of things, some things that I'm not even terribly familiar with, such as uh, Red Dwarf, is one that comes up yep. quite a bit. Have you seen Red Dwarf? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'll have to check that out at, at some point. Oh, interesting! Was it um, was it Cold Spot Paranormal Research? They've actually sent. I think this is for you. Where they've said, if you could visit anywhere on Earth, where would you visit? Laws of physics need not apply. Wow, that's an interesting question. That is a brilliant question. Also, how does it fit in with the show? But it's an interesting question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know. I I suppose I would want to uh, visit the home that I was telling you about prior yeah. to the show, our family home, uh, the Carter home in Bedfordshire. Uh, be- believe it's called Box End House. It's behind a horse feed uh, store. I think it's a private property. So I'm not sure how laws of physics would apply, but if I could visit that house without having to disturb the people who actually uh, occupy it now, I would like to, I'd like to see everybody wants to know where they come from. You know, they do. Yeah. I've done that where I've gone back to places where, where I lived as a child uh, and we've just gone to see what the, what the area is like. Oh, I've done that. Isn't it, isn't it interesting to see how much, I don't know if if it's the same in your case, but in my case, a lot of things had changed. Yes. Well, about two, about a month or two after we'd been to one of the places, they actually demolished it and it became somewhere completely different. The whole street and the whole estate wow. that it was on was demolished within about within two months. Wow. After we'd been there to look at it. So we're lucky enough just to be able to go there and catch it just before then but yes mm. everything was bigger when i was a child and everywhere smaller when i went there to visit and there's no way this house was that small i know oh my gosh that is so true that is so true it's like chocolate bars were bigger as a kid <laughs> <laughs> so how far ahead where are you with the stories that you're writing and is there a long game shall we say yes and no i would say I know I have the last episode in my head, almost word for word at this point, I've played it over and over and over again. And that's, 
And I've kind of written backwards from there to some degree. Mm-hmm. Is how do I make what's happening now interesting, but make sure that I arrive there. So I think a lot in terms of in terms of endings. One of the things that I ex- uh, was really big for me when I was a kid was writing stories in my head uh, to music. And so I'd buy soundtracks a lot um, on cassette. And then, you know, I probably had a few vinyl soundtracks. Uh, Indiana Jones was one of them, I think. Uh, Star Wars, a few of these different. Uh, the Haunted Mansion theme, theme from Disneyland. Um, Truman Show later on on like CD and different things. Uh, but anyways, I would listen, I would listen to those on repeat and I would just write stories in my head to the music and I would try to match the story to the music um, so that I could produce some sort of like emotional response. I'm one of those people who gets goosebumps uh, depending on where, how like a movie lands on that really emotional scene. Um, and so I would try to produce that effect in my room with my headphones on. It was really uh, um, addictive. And so from the very beginning, I'm a huge, I think, I think endings are incredibly important. I'm probably not going to be, if there's a really artsy person that I'm engaging with, who really is a huge fan of everything depressing and, you know, um, doesn't really arrive anywhere in terms of story. It's just, it just kind of makes you think, or it looks good or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to be able to connect with them in a real way because I like good endings and not necessarily purely happy endings either, but it should. Um, I grew up, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going down so many rabbit holes, but I grew up um, very poor at different points. And when you go to see a movie, that can be a huge, that's the thing that you do. Yep. You don't go on vacations like all your other friends are doing. You don't, you don't, you know, travel to Europe or whatever. You watch movies and that's, the same across all socioeconomic demographics and to pay money for a movie and to drive to another town to see it and then to be met with an ending that's unsatisfying um to me in my mind in my context is a is a crime and so i had to know what the ending of the show would be and what the ending of this current season would be so i have the ending of the show planned which is it could be 2 3 years out from now and then i have the ending of the season planned and just making sure that i can get there in a way that oh my gosh i i I have heart palpitations sometimes because i'll read reviews of shows um where the listeners will say i loved this show until the very last episode and then it felt like they just had to do something with the show to close it out like they had not thought about it at all that is my biggest fear and so apart from that, I don't often know what's going to happen in the very next episode. It's kind of a practice. I try to write myself into a corner at the end of each episode so that because I know that if I can write myself in a corner, I have to find an interesting way of getting out of that, which means yeah. that the listener is going to find it interesting, which will hopefully keep them um, listening into the future. And then it's also just a fun exercise for for me as a writer is how do I, how do I make this work? Cause sometimes it feels like it's really not going to. Well, you're in good company there because uh, to use an example, uh, I don't know how much for Star Trek, uh, how much you know about Star Trek, but in Star Trek, the next generation, they had a, uh, they had a very famous two-parter 
and part one of Best of Both Worlds was the end of one season, and then part two was the beginning of the next season. And behind the scenes, they were saying that they wrote the first part as a cliffhanger, but then the problem that they had was that they had to bring it back for the next season, but they hadn't actually thought about what was going to happen in the second part. And Captain Picard had been made into a Borg from, from a human, and they had to work out, well, how are we going to get him back to being human, and how is this going to happen, and this, that, oh, and the goodness. other. And it ended up being a standout two-part episode. But it was because of the fact that they were thinking, and they had to think on the feet, how do we get out of this as they were getting closer to starting to film the next season? So sometimes it, it can work. I and I and I think if you I mean I have some really brilliant friends who have made much better shows than mine, arguably, I think far better. And they plan they plan things out sometimes years in advance. They'll have their entire show um completely written. I think there's got to be something about that that's really comforting for them because you're not figuring it, this out in front of people. I feel like I'm figuring this out in front of people, which is very, very scary. Um, and so I envy, I envy those who can do that. For me, especially as as someone who's not an experienced writer, um, I feel like I have to, I have to do this because um, otherwise it might, it might be. I might be prone to make something more formulaic or I might be prone to purely draw from a story that I'm already really familiar with. You know, I watch a lot of um, horror films and I was watching one with my son. He's of the age now where I'm, you know, I know he'll sleep through the night if he watches some of them with me and he likes to ask questions. He doesn't do it anymore because he would say, what do you think? What do you think is going on? And because I'd seen so many, I could tell him, uh, the end of the movie. This happened just recently. We were watching a TV show, same thing. Um, and that's, and that's not because of any fault of the, the show so much. It's just, I watch too much and I listen, uh, to too much. So if I didn't, if I didn't write myself into these really hard places, it would be very hard for me to get out into the next episode without falling into some familiar, um, trope. And so, the the bad side of that is you can really make something that's so outlandish that it's terrible. And it's like I tell people, if you think you're prone to making something really, really strange, make it really strange in the very first episode so that people don't get whiplash later. I did something really strange in my first episode, which has allowed me to do whatever I want uh, since then to, to kind of get me out of difficult situations. Well, it helps that you're talking about, you know, uh, the in between, you know, the 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 stopover between this life and the next, essentially, that helps matters because there you can go anywhere, essentially, because it's going to be strange no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think it's. I I didn't even realize how fun it would be. Like I I don't know that. Um, I don't know that I could have done it any other way. But it's so much fun to be able to create a world. And you create boundaries and you do have to end up sticking to your own boundaries once you've created them. Uh, but the astral plane yeah. in particular, which has so many different definitions in different contexts. Um, and I, who knows, I may have offended someone who has a deeper understanding of the actual astral plane. 
than I do at some point, but by just creating it the way that I wanted to, um, it's been, it's been a blast. And even within the silliness, I try to make sure that it's not too outlandish, you know, which is, which some people might find ludicrous if they've listened to the show, but at least in my mind, it's not so far out there. Um, but yeah, there's so much freedom and I, I love that aspect of it. One of these days, you might come across another character who knows what Weiwei is talking about, other than um, other than Mac, the mechanic. Yeah, that would be yeah. something for sure, for sure. That uh, I, I think I only recently realized that that was probably at least in part inspired by um, the coyote from an episode of The Simpsons, where <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know if you're familiar with this one where he eats the chili pepper and he hallucinates. Yes. Um, yeah. One of my favorite episodes. And now that I look back, I'm like, that's way, way. That is a, that is a classic <laughs> Simpsons episode, that one. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Shout out to my friend who does the Docast. He actually, when I had him on my show, he was saying that that was one of his standout favorite episodes. Really? Oh, yes. that's awesome. Yeah. 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 He's in good company. He's- so when you're recording, then you've scripted. Um, am I going to go there? Yeah. So I had something else in mind, and then suddenly, yep. Yeah. So we'll we'll carry on with this. So, how do you record the show? Then the the audio that you record, and then the music that you've got. The music is so cool. It's very um, um, synth based, mm-hmm. very, and and also the sound effects as well. Are they all yourself? The sound effects, the the music, and and then of course, well, no. of course, that you know the voices are all you as well. So how do you get all yes. this? And where did you source it from, and how do you then put the show together? That's a big question. There's a few different things. Um, for the music, I am nowhere near musically talented enough to to create all of it. Um, I look for it, and in some cases, against uh, against the better of my budget if a song just fits really well i'll pay for the license to have it on the show um it's to give kind of a full picture um generally when i finally get into the headspace where i'm able to work i'm i'm a i'm a remarkably anxious person sometimes the show takes longer between episodes just because i'm not thinking about it i'm like i'm not I don't want to screw this up. I like my show and I like that people like it and I don't want to mess it up. And if I don't touch it, then they're happy all the way up until episode 10, right? I don't have to worry <laughs> about it. So when I get in the headspace where I'm able to work on it, I will work on it. And so it might take three or four days to make an episode. Um, and that's all I'm doing. I'm right. I'll, I'll spend one day writing up until I reach the point of conflict like i write myself into a little bit of a hole halfway through a script yeah. um or into a corner and then the next day i sleep on it and try not to think about it as much as i can i'll go outside at night and just listen to music for hours on end and just kind of hope that that answer comes to me and then the next day i'll work myself out of it and once i'm done writing uh the following day i will wake up and i'll go through and i'll read and edit really think about like, oh my gosh, am I messing something up here with the existing lore of the show? Um, once I feel really comfortable with that, I'll record that same day 
generally record about two hours worth of audio. Um, since I'm doing all the voices for the show, a lot of people ask, like, do you record them all at once and just kind of like change back and forth? It would make it a nightmare in editing later if I were to do that. Plus, I really feel like I got to get in the headspace of the person that I'm yeah. performing as. I think I could do it. I think it wouldn't be as good. Um, so I'll record all of those differently or at different times um, or on different tracks, rather. Uh, and once I'm done with that, Mac is always uh, the last voice because he destroys my voice. Once I've yep. done Mac, I can't generally record anymore that same that same day if I needed to. Um, and so once I've got that recorded, I'll usually start editing uh, all of the audio. I'll start going through each track and removing all the parts where I messed up or the voice changed or whatever. Sometimes it's so bad. I, I'm sorry, excuse me. Sometimes it's so bad that I'll have to, my wife will listen to it. I, I look to her for, I look to her for all of my feedback. She is like my most trusted source. And it's because she cannot, she's a terrible liar. Yeah. It would be almost impossible for her to say this is great um, without me going, you're lying, <laughs> which is probably not great for her. It's probably a lot of pressure, but um, I'm thankful for it because sometimes she'll say, you know what, this just doesn't work. Um, and then I go, well, I said I was going to release it on Monday. And she's like, okay, then just release it the way it is. And I go, no, I can't do that. I have to, I have to change it now. And I'm always so thankful for it because then I get to look back and go, wow she was she was so right so that happens pretty rarely but it does happen where i will have to re-record an entire voice but for the most part um just editing things out by the time i'm done i'm usually left with about 20 minutes to 23 minutes worth of dialogue total dialogue yep. um and then the next day i will spend uh that day adding sound effects this is i for certain sound effects i'll i'll license them through like a monthly licensing with a company called Infoto. yeah um just because there's things that i wouldn't trust myself to make without it just being a ton of work and i'm already low enough on resources just being the only person making this um some though i will do myself because sometimes you can't find a sound effect that yep. that really works uh, for the show. And that, that can be fun. Usually simple things, wrestling papers, um, like bumping a guitar into something, just little things. Uh, the music is to me the most important part. And because I'm not writing the music myself, yeah. um, I have to find something that works within the existing story. And there's probably a smarter way of going about that. I don't know. Um, but let's say that I'm having, let's say that I'm having a conversation between uh, two characters, Tindy and a traveler, and there's different things happening during that conversation. Maybe it starts out with um, a small amount of conflict leading into some emotion leading into a monologue that is ultimately and sometimes going to lead to the resolution for the characters in the show so then i will listen to hundreds of tracks 
until I find the right one. And then oftentimes I'll have to re-edit parts of the track to make it work. When it works, it works really well. Like one of the parts that um one of the the pieces, which is actually like three songs mixed together, is and I don't think this is a huge spoiler alert for anyone, but there's an episode that features a rock labyrinth um yep. and two characters walking through it and it's supposed to give you like sort of a contemplative feel start building up some interest and emotion and then whenever they reach the center of the rock labyrinth they look up and they see the stars and i used i lived at a ranch for a while i was a cook and we had a rock labyrinth on a mountain it was a very desolate place and to see the stars in that area is a truly magical experience. If you've grown up in a city, um, I had a friend from New York who visited and he did not know that you could see the, the Milky way. Like that's how brilliant the stars were in this place, covering every inch of the sky. And that is a, that's a holy moment. That's a, that's one of those experiences everyone should have in their life. So trying to find a way to communicate that through music, um, it was really important to me to get that right. I'll tell you, by the time I'm done listening to different music, I I want to die. I want to go outside and step in front of a bus just because there are yeah. there are so many songs out there. And listening to the first three seconds of a thousand of them is enough to drive a man insane. But when it when it works, when it finally works, it's such a great feeling. Well, it definitely worked in that episode because that was one of my favorite standout episodes. Personally, I I I loved it. Uh, you know, and it it was just so moving in your eyes when you get to that thing where he suddenly where where Mac just suddenly says, "Well, look up," and mm. then the music and the whole emotion of the whole thing just worked perfectly. And then there was the great bit at the end where Tendy realizes that, you know, Mac was right to actually do it that way as well and everything. It was just mm. such a magical episode to listen to. Like you said, you know, it's comforting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And I've been um every episode and I'm sure any other creator who's listening to this and you've probably experienced it yourself. Uh, if you really want to make something good, if you're one of those folks who gets hung up on creating this perfect experience for people, then every episode that you make will always be your worst episode that you've made until someone tells you otherwise. And it, at least in my case, it often takes me months of people saying, no, this episode really meant a lot to me. That was one of those episodes. I'd say episodes one through 10 and there's only 10 right now that's happened in each of those episodes where i walk away and i go i just made the worst thing <laughs> the worst thing possible um this last week somebody won a trivia that we had and um that was the that was the script they got like a, an autographed uh script that i'd used to record that was the script that they requested and i still there's still a part of me that goes why um but those of us who are insecure in <laughs> in our art, I'm sure, can relate to that to some extent. You've led into another question that someone else has sent in. 
some somebody follows your account very closely i think with this so this is called what is it canadian spirit podcast mm. and they I said, like them yes. I, I interact with them a lot on twitter they're fun they've said how do you deal with the anxiety that your art won't be received well or do you experience this at all yes you do i, I do that. i know <laughs> that because i've seen your twitter messages yes but, yeah so how do you deal with that if you do deal with it? I I think that I I think that I do deal with it better sometimes than I do at other times. I uh I talk a lot about mental health. Um I'm glad to see more people are talking about it. Uh it's 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 become not such a taboo topic um and it plays a huge part in the creation of this show and in in each episode for me um in 2018 i really had to come to terms with my own mental health challenges and i'd spent a couple decades not dealing with that type of anxiety around performance in particular um i was not dealing with that anxiety well in in healthy ways um now i think the way that i deal with it is being open and honest about it um trying not to speak negatively to myself sometimes i go back and i look at some of the messages that people have sent you know what they say how a hundred people can say a nice thing and one person can say a mean thing and you zero in on that that one person um who said the negative thing so sometimes i go back and i i'll read a handful of those messages which have been most meaningful to me it's so funny i don't think people realize at least i i never thought this um you i think sometimes people think that they're bothering a creator when they send them a message or yeah. Um, and obviously I think any of us could take those to unhealthy places, but when someone takes the time to just write a nice review or send an email, um, depending on the day, depending on the context of your life in that moment, sometimes those messages just hit at just the right time. And you, you know, they're usually scared about, um, gushing and going on and on. But sometimes you as a creator, like if you didn't think it would be weird, you you would gush back and just be like, you have no idea how much I needed to hear this today. Yeah. And it really does in a lot of cases, um, especially for those who've, uh, who the show has truly helped, which is, again, shocking to me in a lot of ways. Um, one of One of my... One of my friends said that their eight-year-old struggles with a lot of anxiety and that when given the opportunity to listen to the show or to play Minecraft, he'll choose to listen to the show, which I think if anybody likes knows Minecraft, like that's a, that's a huge compliment. And I think about that and I think about um, that eight-year-old is so anxious and the show helps him 
and I'm anxious. Yeah. And we're both anxious and it's anxiety producing for me to make the show and it's anxiety producing for him to not know what's going to happen next. And that can help to, to push me into gear and say, you know, come what may, I'm going to get this next episode out because there's people who are, who are depending on it. Well, we're going to, we're going to use that episode that we'd already spoken about with the, you know, when they looked up, you know, into the mm-hmm. sky. So he's looking at the rock rocks on the floor and then he looked up and that as one of the, one of these examples where very often in your show, in fact, I'd say every episode, almost every episode, probably you're touching on because the different people that come to the, uh, come to the station, uh, they, they all have different forms of anxiety or some sort of mental health problem that is causing them a problem with going to that next, you know, to the next place or the next mm-hmm. plane. Um, and, and then the characters of Tendi or Mac, they help with that situation. And it's almost, is it, is it you actually looking at these subjects and thinking, well, this is a way that this can be looked around. It's, is it almost like a look into yourself essentially? Mm-hmm. And such sort of uh, sort of saying to yourself, okay, this is how I could get around. This is how I could look at this from a different angle and try and work out those problems. I think Desert Skies is probably the most thinly veiled self-therapy that yeah. anyone has ever, ever produced. And my wife is, because she's so familiar with the things that I'm afraid of and the stuff in my own past and whatnot, my shortcomings that when she listens to the show, she knows exactly what I'm referring to. One of the things that surprised me when I started to talk about my own mental health challenges back in 2019 was how many people reached out that I would have never thought folks I had known my entire life who reached out and said, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. It's amazing how powerful stigma is and the extent to which the folks that I talked to had lived with their own mental illness or mental health challenges and had never told anybody. It felt so sacred to hear that um, from people, you know, that I'm going to tell you because you because you told me and there's something really cool about that. It also helped me to realize there's nothing that I'm experiencing that is unique to me. Either a large portion of people have experienced or are experiencing the same thing, um, or they know someone who is. And so I never wanted the show to be preachy because I don't have all the answers. And I think that's in part why all the characters are, even when they're good, they're flawed. Um, but a big part of it was I've spent a lot of time thinking through these things, that episode in particular, I've spent a lot of time trying to climb the corporate ladder because I felt like I needed to be somebody and, and right after the last big corporate job that I did. 
the next place I was at was the ranch with the rock labyrinth. And you don't have cell phone reception most of the time when you're out there and you're just kind of forced to look up at the stars. And it felt like I could breathe for the first time. And so, though I wouldn't consider myself that character, uh, the ex- you know, the extent to which he's a hothead isn't really the way that I operate. Um, but that sense of I have to be somebody and I look I look tough and I look well put together on the outside, but inside. Um, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, and I just need somebody to tell me to, to take a deep breath and look up. And so that, yeah, almost every, almost every single episode, I think the only one that doesn't really have that, not to cheapen my own show. Did, have you ever seen Full House? The no, American sitcom no, from the 90s? Never seen Full House, no. Full House I is well known. If you if you've seen one, you've seen many of them because they all follow a very similar format, which is um, they build up uh, through comedy to a very emotional ending. And I think I think it's part of why my show is effective with some people and a big part of why their show was so effective, um, at least for the demographic that it was trying to reach, which is when you put humor in the same house as um deeply emotional yeah. uh issues and conflicts and challenges um something about the humor makes the the deeper part more powerful um and yeah so that happened in almost every episode but i think episode six i believe it is with the canadian twins which i loved making that episode because that one to me felt the most like a twilight zone episode Um, someone reached out to me over via email (laughs) the very next day and said, um, and I love this person. They've been very encouraging otherwise. Um, but they said, I I was so disillusioned by this episode. They said, are you just going to become every other show out there? And I was kind of mad. I kind of, you know, I wrote a response back. That's like, don't judge the show based on one episode like i don't i don't have to satisfy something in you um my wife i I bring her up a lot her name's trish she's my favorite person um she calls it shaking a tissue box which is something i think she learned from someone else yeah (laughs) but she like that um but she calls it shaking your tissue box in other people's faces and i think there was a part of me in that in that moment that was like hey i wanted to make something fun to you know that would help move the story forward don't shake your tissue box in my face. Just let me make funny Canadian accents. Not that Canadian <laughs> accents are funny Canadians, you know, Canadian spirit. I love you guys. You don't sound like that. Um, but yeah. So these voices then that you make, uh, number one, uh, if, if anybody's p- people who are listening now, those people that listen to the show already, you will mm-hmm. realize that uh, the character of Tendi is the closest to your natural voice mm-hmm. of any of the characters. Is there a reason why you picked that? Is he sort of like you in that way? Uh, or is there another reason why you've done that? And then you made all these characters have these different voices. And why are they all you? Is it because you, because you need to do that? or is Because I because, can't afford it. <laughs> oh, I can't get anybody else to do no, the voices. N- no. Um, 
So a, a lot like Tendi, I'm very, con- I'm very controlling. Um, not in terms of like, if I'm with somebody, I'm like, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, but I, I want to control the outcome yep. of whatever it is that I'm doing or whatever it is that I'm making. And um, because I have that vision in my head of the way that it ends up, and I'm worried that if I were to invite other people into that, that it might not end up the way that I want it to. Part of that is probably just, I don't want to have to give people feedback. It's more yeah. of a me problem. And I think most voice actors that I know are very open to, you know, I've become friends with a lot of them. Um, they're very open to receiving notes. I just don't like to give them. And also um, in terms of what I, you know, I, I alluded to earlier, I make the show very quickly. Yeah. And the idea of having to wait, there's always a chance that I'm going to um, dip into a low that makes it difficult to complete the episode or go through another period of time that's just not really helpful. I really got to take advantage of those times. Um, and one of the ways I can guarantee that I can reduce my anxiety, this again goes back to that question, I guess, a little bit, is by not having to interact with people. <laughs> as horrible as that sounds i love you people but you are my biggest source of anxiety and i'm sure i'm i'm sure i am somebody's biggest source of anxiety the interesting thing is so we've just been joined by darren from my guest list pod who's a great friend of both of us hey darren hey guys how are you i hope you can hear me fine we can we can can. yeah after Um, your long journey um so so you're speaking with Jared. Both me and Darren have actually also been vo- done voices for for audio dramas as well. So we know, sort of to a lesser degree, we understand where you're coming from with the voice thing. <laughs> well, if it um, first off, Darren, I, I love uh, interacting with you on Twitter, and I'm so thankful that you enjoy the show. It's always really encouraging. Um, but oh, yeah. next. Next season, uh, I have I have said, and I intend. I have always intended for. Uh, hopefully, I mean it's not a spoiler that's essential to the plot, but I have always intended for a bus to just show up at the station, which would make no sense and would throw a wrench and all kinds of things. <laughs> and I would just love for that bus to be full of all of my voice actor friends. And I have many since I started this podcast. Made so many friends with so many talented people, and the idea of all of them showing up at once in one episode. Uh, it's such a pleasure to me. I'm, I, I look really forward to doing that. We'll just knock it all out at once. So, <laughs> so how, did, That's, uh, yeah. how did you come up with all of these voices then, Jared? Have, have you always been able to have these different voices or was it something that has come about because of the show? It's a two-parter, I think. I've always, um, when I was a kid, like a ton of kids, I just would copy the cartoon voices and different things that I would hear. Um, And the more that people encouraged me to do it, the more I wanted to do it. And so that was part of it. Um, Listening to songs in the car. I I used to make a game because, you know, when you live in the desert, there's a lot of driving. Um, There's a lot of driving and a lot of in-between spaces. And so listening to music and trying to match the voice of the person that you're listening to to the point that you can't hear your own voice anymore it just sounds like the voice that you're listening to in a song has gotten louder or richer 
that was just something that I, I did. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I thought that was really, really fun. Um, and then lastly, to some small degree, it's the way that I've dealt with anxiety when talking to people. So I'll oftentimes mimic the people that I'm, I'm talking to in some small ways, um, kind of picking up on their cadence, picking up on their tone and inflection and repeating that back to them. And it's not until I leave that someone will say, were you making fun of them? And it's like, no, I wasn't making fun of them. I don't, I don't realize that I'm doing that most of the time. So voices have always been a thing. Audio, uh, in a lot of ways, is just the way that I, a big way that I interact with the world. And so that played a part. Um, in terms of the characters for the show, uh, like you mentioned, Tendi is pretty much me, but I, I, I make him a little higher like this. Yep. So it's a little bit of a change and it actually sounds a lot like a friend of mine that if I ever made fun of him behind his back, this is kind of what he'd sound like. It was a very easy voice for me to do. Um, and, uh, let's see. Mac was Mac. First off, Mac is a real person. Not, yeah, not, not too many people know this, but Mac is actually a family friend. He is probably six foot two. So he's not a short Mac. He doesn't have a full beard, but he has an amazing, an amazing mustache. He's an older gentleman, a Vietnam vet, probably has no idea what an audio drama is and wouldn't be interested in ever listening to one. Um, but some of Mac's characteristics were pulled from that. He is a very real life Mac, um, tends to delight in childlike play. So when my kids are doing something wrong, around him eating a dessert that they shouldn't be eating or whatever the case might be. He spurs them on as I tell them not to do things. Um, and so that that's like been born a lot into, uh, into that character. Yeah. Um, his voice is Max's voice in real life is more like Dale Edwards kind of like up here. Um, which I didn't want Mac to be really, really old and so um i don't know where exactly i pulled mac from as a voice i think i've just had it there for a long time but a lot of people have told me that it's carl from uh sling blade if you guys have seen the film sling blade you know yeah i I like mustard (laughs) with my biscuits you know or whatever that's that's the way that i would do that voice when i was a kid (laughs) yeah I actually didn't know that you did that just straight. I thought maybe you actually uh, used something to to create that voice. Like uh, I didn't realize that you just did that straight off the bat um, uh, naturally. Mm. That, that's pretty impressive. You, you so you do Corson and Shirley and mm-hmm. and everybody. And I do. I, I assume I, I assume not Weiwei, but no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's very impressive. And yeah. Um, yeah, editing must be an absolute nightmare for you. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, there's quite a few voices that I don't change a lot, and the ones that I use regularly, I have presets for. Okay. I try really hard to get to the voice that is the way that I want it, and then tweak it a little bit in terms of pitching and things afterwards. Because if I if I have to change it a lot, it'll sound very much like I'm changing it, you know, that like digital voice or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Especially, yeah. especially I... with pitching. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it's very impressive. It's, it's very good. Oh, thank you. It's very it's very fun. And apologies for being late, guys. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm actually about 250 k's out of Melbourne. I'm sitting in a McDonald's car park at the moment uh, on the way to my one of my uh, customers. So uh, uh, I had to actually find somewhere I could uh, sit and talk in the car and not look too strange, like too shady. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you're able to join us. What time is it where you are, Darren? Uh, it's 11 past nine in the morning. Okay. So a little earlier yeah, in the day. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been on the road since about seven thirty this morning. So, Ooh, it's a so, long yeah. drive. Um, I'm away for three days at the moment, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I was thinking because of Darren, you know, Darren does does list. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, have you got a list of what you think would be necessities in a service station, especially one that's you know, desert skies. Mm. Well, if anybody, <clears throat> you're dead, you're dead already. And so live a little there. You can't, you can't go in. I mean, if you go into a gas station today and you're a grown up, you have to make decisions based on the wisdom of your years. You got to think, do I really want to eat this pickled food item? It might make me sick later. Well, you don't really have to worry about that in the astral plane. So I say, uh, first and foremost, you need to just go hog wild. You're only visiting desert skies once. Try everything. And there's really nobody's pressuring you to, to move along quickly, just so long as you intend to move, move along. So if I was there at desert skies, I would want to try the pickled pig's feet, yep. which induce devastating degrees of sadness. I don't know why they do that, but they do. <laughs> are, is it is it is there a deeper meaning? Like, are they magical and induce the sadness, or do pickled pig's feet as a food item? Just, uh, I imagine pickled pig's feet are delicious. I don't know. Like, I recently made um, Guinness pie, and I made my own trotter gear from pig's feet, and I thought it was wonderful. It added a, a depth of flavor, but I want to know, does this thing just make me incredibly sad? Because sometimes I think we don't feel, we don't allow ourselves to feel sadness. We just yeah. feel, we pretend like we're angry. So I just want to feel all the sad all at once. Maybe I can get it all out and it would just be incredibly therapeutic. Um, Terra Seraphic Soda. <laughs> Say that again. Sorry, I'll write a song like Tristan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> deal with your deal with your sadness that way. Um, <laughs> um, Terra Seraphic Soda, which I've said is like cocaine in soda form. Um, there was uh, originally Shirley was supposed to. There, there's an episode two that I never shared. I wrote an entire episode two that would have taken the show in a remarkably different direction that I didn't know I'd be able to bring it back from. Um, and there's a Shirley like character in that episode who uh, has consumed all of the Terra Seraphic soda. And that's the she's a very old lady and she's hyped up on what is essentially the equivalent of to cocaine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to try that just knowing I'm not, I'm not a drug guy. Uh, so I could at least experience what that's like one time (laughs) when I know that it's safe and I can't hurt anybody. Um, uh, apart from that, I think just gas stations in general, 
I used to say a gas station hot dog was an amazing thing, especially if you microwave the the hot dog bun a little yeah. bit. But the last time that I took my son wanted a hot dog from a local gas station and I took him there and a cockroach crawled out of the the relish um, container. Oh, and so dear. I think it just depends on where you are and how clean you feel the place is. Just be careful. I still think they're probably probably a really good food. And I'm to be honest, there's probably cockroaches in the hot dog meat anyways so just depending on how squeamish you are give it a go that's that's a big one and for me i love the uh there's a pickled spicy sausage um tijuana mama i think is what it's called and i absolutely adore that anything salt and vinegar is always a good choice for for a road trip very good yeah (laughs) jared jared could i ask something why a buick skylark The year, in part, just because of the story and when it's kind of taking place in some way. The Buick Skylark, I grew up uh, in a lot of, we we drove a lot of sedans and um, Buick was one of them. Uh, Skylark in particular, I just liked the name. Okay. When I was looking right. at, thought- when I was looking at names of different Buicks, the word sky as it applied to and is commonly like attached to the afterlife. Um, mm. I just like that idea of like a skylark, a bird in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought there might have been some more significance to it, but no, that's fine. Okay, no worries. Well, What's I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> that's, that's all right. No, that's question. One question answered. That's fine. That's good. <laughs> um, I will say this. There is a lot of symbolism in the show, and, and a lot of it is intensely personal, and I wouldn't even talk about it yeah. i think right now um but a lot of things mean something else and if you ever just want to go uh down a rabbit hole n- names sometimes like uh yeah dristan means sad or depressed you know it's okay. just one kind of like small example so there, there's some other yeah. stuff in there but the skylark is the is not i can't believe you picked well- that one yeah, that's, that's surprising because I do see a lot of symbolism and, uh, you know, each apart from it being a fun show, there's obviously a message in a lot of what you're saying. And, you know, there's correlations between what you do in your main show and even in Desert Skies FM um, yeah. with, you know, in particular, uh, Tristan with the songs and, you know, Mac talking about sadness and uh, writing a song on one of the Desert FM shows as well. You know, there's that correlation mm-hmm. between the two. And, but there's, a, yeah, there's a, I, I can tell there's a lot of uh, you in uh, the stories that you're telling in the show. And, uh, and, and that's what makes it really interesting as well, apart from being just a, a fun show to listen to. So, yeah. But I picked the Skylark, the only thing that doesn't have any real significance. <laughs> so, oh, well. <laughs> that's the way I it love goes. it. I love it. Sorry, Marv. <laughs> Actually, Darren, you've just reminded me of a point I was going to come out with earlier. I've suddenly remembered what I was going to say, which is that in a way, and I've I've realised this recently, one of the things about podcasting is that in a sense, a lot of podcasts, for specific, or especially for people who do independent shows, it's them personally themselves. It's like an extension of themselves in a way or a way of themselves bringing something from them or getting something for themselves in a way, much as you do with your show where you are, like you said earlier on, thinly veiled. I suppose to yourself it would be. I I don't think everybody notices it. Mm -hmm. But 
it's almost as a way of looking into yourself and almost almost like a self-help, essentially. Yeah. And it's why I would recommend to anyone, um, we tend to classify people as cr- creatives and otherwise. And I don't think that that's true. I think everybody has an element of creativity in themselves, just the way that that plays out yeah. is very different. And I think um, one of the things that I, that um, <clears throat> Tendi says to Dresden in that episode uh, after, you know, for those who haven't heard, like he's a, he's a songwriter and he sings a really sad song and he doesn't feel like that's doing a benefit to the world. And one of the things that Tendi says is when somebody paints a sad picture or writes a sad song, it's often because we can't find um, the words to convey how we really feel. And so I think art, especially when we allow ourselves to be a little more abstract and a little more free with it, really can be just a wonderful way to... um yeah, to to express that part of yourself, which, you know, I don't know that expression is even the, the most powerful part. It's it's just it's honest. It's something honest. And um, I think I think you're right, Marv, in terms of the uh, it being indie creators. I think it's definitely a lot easier for us. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in other uh, in other places, but for an independent creator, they do have a lot more freedom to just be a lot more honest. And because we're podcasters, we never have to worry about getting rich. So it's not like we're making money off this anyways, <laughs> you know, screw it, be yourself. <laughs> do uh, what, you, what you want to do. I think you've got more, I think you've got more chance of doing that than we have. <laughs> so, uh, but you, I've only, uh, I started a Patreon and I've only just now yeah. uh, broke even on what I spend on podcasting in a year. And that's not including everything I've spent in the past. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll get there. I don't know. Hello to my zero patrons. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send some your way. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, actually, it's funny when you talked about uh, with Dristen that that episode, the long pause. It was mm-hmm. that was actually really that that that, that was really thought provoking for me because I thought about you know artists and uh, especially very you know like indie artists and things like that are always seen sometimes as tortured souls and you know with uh, you know that with art mm. comes a lot of usual a lot of torment sometimes but i also thought to myself that artists i guess also have a chance to they have an outlet for that that torment and that you know that mm. that a lot of us don't have they they can write a song they can draw a picture or, or or paint a painting or you know write a poem but for anyone that doesn't have that artistic bent i guess it's not as easy to deal with that sadness sometimes mm. so I, I guess there's pros and cons uh you know but it's always usually the artist is painted as the tortured soul the you know the so close to genius but also so close to you know <laughs> destruction self-destruction so uh yeah but it always I mean, that actually that that's what I took out of that episode. Actually, I was, uh, yeah, I was that's, that's, a little bit that's... jealous of the artists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I could, if I could, if I could give you any, any encouragement, like I don't think that I would have ever called myself an artist by any means. Like I was a corporate operations leader for for a long time, um, and just you that that part of you can die a little bit i think when you kind of forget um i mean i'm sure when you were a kid you drew a picture 
right? Like everybody does. You glue mm. some sticks together yeah. or whatever. Of course. Um, <laughs> art, art, art doesn't need to be great. Uh, it doesn't have to be shared. And it's also something anybody can can grow in. And the other thing that I would say is I live and operate under the opinion, and I think that I'm right, that everyone, because they live on Earth, is a tortured soul with the exception of a few sociopaths. And that's it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all living in a scary place um, and we're all dealing yeah. with hard things and we all have stuff we have to deal with. So draw a picture. Yeah. I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. Draw, draw, yeah, draw, draw your version of Mac. I want to, I always enjoy seeing that. What people think characters <laughs> yeah. look like. For me, he sounds like um, uh, someone called him Gimli once, and I thought the body of Gimli was probably right, uh, but with Dave Mustaine's head. So, (laughs) oh, I have to um, excuse me while I look this up. Dave, Dave Must, who's this? Yeah, I know. I know. Marv just laughed because he knows who I mean. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, he's an American musician here. (laughs) Okay. Yes. I love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, yes. sort of For me, yeah, the re- and I'm glad that you caught that. I called him Gimli in the first episode because that's absolutely, I think, how I see him minus all of the traditional Lord of the Rings uh, Middle Earth garb that he's wearing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I can't believe you've got me trying to draw a picture of what I think Mac would look like. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to <laughs> see oh, that. Dear me, nobody wants um, to see this. This is dreadful. I okay. Can I tell you something? So I um, I was playing away, uh, playing, playing with a piece of software called uh, Adobe. I think it's Adobe Animator or Character Animator. Um, which is a really nifty piece of software uh, that allows you to create a character in either Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator. And then it re- it can see your movements through the camera and you animate the character by talking and moving. Um, and so okay. I thought, how fun would it be to make a little video for Twitter that is a that is Mac? And I could do his voice and I could have him do little announcements or whatever. And... Uh, and as soon as I showed it to my family, all of them said, that is not Mac. And so I decided I would never put out my own representation of Mac ever again. Okay, let's see. Marv's here. What's what's your childhood drama? Let's have a look, Mac. Yeah, it's uh, Mac. I love it. Mom, I... Okay. He's got go. a little bit of a, I don't know how I would describe his neck. Is that like a... I would call that maybe a butt neck. You know how there's like butt chins, but that's like a butt neck. Is it a butt neck? (laughs) Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oops. No, I love it. That's great. As an artist, you make a fantastic podcast, Mark. (laughs) It's it's uh yeah, that's right. (laughs) You remind me that his face in that. I used to like you. He kind of looks like Dave Dave Grohl. Dave, Dave Grohl. Dave. Yes, that's who I see. Very good. Yeah, with, with a strange bottom end. With a very strange bottom end. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's been having too many burritos. <laughs> it all goes to your neck on the astral plane. Nobody tells you that. 
<laughs> Very good. Or does it? I mean, you know, because you're dead. So will you actually put on any weight? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't believe that you do. So you were hinting at earlier on about uh, some audio dramas yourself that you'd listened to or podcasts that you'd listened to beforehand. So what is your experience with audio drama? It's interesting, and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I, I mean, I have a terrible attention span. The older that I get, the worse it seems to be getting. Um, and audio in that respect, not just audio dramas, but podcasts in general, even though I love them, I have a very difficult time. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the first podcasts that I ever got into was Aaron Mankey's Lore yeah. podcast and it's just it's yeah. just so well done but i find even then and this is no fault of his own um he just has such a gentle uh voice and cadence that i would realize i'd been listening to it for 15 minutes and just enjoying the heck out of it but had no idea what he was talking about because i'd completely not realized i wasn't paying attention um and so when it comes to audio dramas i have to be very selective a lot of my friend shows I'll listen to the first episode just because I want to know them better. I want to I want to understand what it is they're trying to make. And uh, they all make something really good. And I want to promote that and be honest in my promotion of it. Not that I have like a, a massive Twitter following or anything. Most of them have more than me, which makes me jealous. Maybe that's why I don't listen to their shows. I'm jealous of their Twitter following. <laughs> Um, (laughs) uh, my closest podcast friend is a man named Wayman Alexander, and he makes a podcast called the liminal lands and the liminal lands is the only, uh, probably the only audio drama that I've kept up with pretty religiously since it started. I started listening to liminal liminal lands because of, um, actually, uh, listening to your podcast and you reference uh Wayland's show actually and I went and listened to it so yeah and he was on a Twitter space that we were that you were hosting mm-hmm. one day so uh, uh it was really great to to hear everyone I, I didn't want to speak because it was full of creators and I was about the only I think <laughs> listener there so oh uh, no it's yeah. funny because we always I, I really want a bunch of listeners to be there and it usually just ends up being a bunch of us podcasters we already all talk to each other all the time but it's still fun <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that's awesome good. Yeah, um, but, man, there's, there's some good yeah. ones out there. I will say I did start listening to one recently that for whatever reason has really jived with my brain and obviously jived with a lot of other brains. And that's uh, Wolf 359. Um, oh. Fantastic, fantastic show. OK. Yeah, that's in my list of shows to check out as well. Already in Highly my feed. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to check that out. But, um, where was I going to go there? I was going to say, so are there any moments from the show that stand out to you uh, or bits that uh, it is an interesting one, actually? Why don't I reshape that question and say, is there any moment in the show where suddenly something happened and it just meant so much to you, this specific moment while making the show? Hmm. While making it? Probably not. Or, or any from, from the, anything from the yeah. show, yeah, that's really stood out to you, or well, meant kind of, so much to you. Like, like I, like I mentioned, a couple of different things that we've talked about so far. I'll get, I think we'll give you some insight. One, um, when I'm making the show, I'm convinced that I'm making the worst thing yet, right? And 
that's there that's almost without exception i think the only time the only episode where i didn't feel like i was making something no that's not true i still feel that way. i was going to say the corsinopoly <laughs> episode something about that i thought i had a lot of fun making it but i was really afraid of how it would be received um I w- but most I of them that game in the shelves <laughs> speaking of game there mm-hmm. is something in the works and it's going to be a while but um, I have a friend and let's just say that his way of expressing his own angst is through uh, video game development. So there's something there's something down the road. Please let so, me uh, please let the game be Battle Spheres. I'm sure it'll be something like that. Oh, yes, uh, it'll be it'll be it'll encompass a lot of things. By the time we're done, it'll be way too big for people to <laughs> it'll be bigger than Elden Ring just in terms of world size. Um, Will we need tokens? Almost certainly. Yeah, that's that'll be that'll be the way that I make money off of it. We'll give away a free game and say that you have to have tokens in order to make things happen. Um gotta collect the free dice. I took I took a I took three months off unexpectedly without giving any forewarning whatsoever. And yeah. um I still feel bad about that. Uh but Every time that I sat down to write, I just had such horrible writer's block. And so by the time that I felt ready to restart, which was in January, February, which was February 6th, um, before I wrote that episode, I sat down and I listened to everything because my wife said, you need to, you really need to listen because I don't keep track of lore. It all lives in my head, which is terrifying. Um, But she said, you really need to go back and listen to him. And because like we talked about because of how much of it is therapy to me being flushed out and flushed out and through this work um for the first time it connected with me on an emotional level and i think in particular um the episode with francis which was probably the one i was the most worried about how it would be received by people um that one dealt a lot with her relationship with her father. I deal with a lot of parental relationship stuff because I think the relationship between parents and kids are just naturally incredibly hard, but also because I'm a dad and I have three young boys. And um, when you have kids, you're so afraid of screwing up. You have such a limited amount of time. And you know that you're going to screw them up in some way. You're going to do something that they talk to the therapist about when they're older. Um, And so I think about my relationship with my kids a lot. And so listening to that episode was the first time that I'd ever listened to. And it's weird because I'm listening to my own show and I'm doing all these voices and things. But I kind of forgot for a moment. And I, you know, when she's talking about um, when she gets the message from her dad afterwards, and he says that he loves her. There's just something about that, that he loves her and that he was proud of her. There's just something about that that, uh, yeah, just connected with me on a real emotional level. And then I realized what I'm doing to people and I felt bad because I've had folks that have said, <laughs> I'm at work, I'm trying to weld and I'm crying into my mask. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for playing with your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't my intention. <laughs> but but that's that's the thing like the story itself is fun but it's 
it's the emotions that you evoke with what you, you're doing, especially like there's a lot of, you know, um, imagery and, and interplay between people in terms of friendships and loyalty and also like Corsinopoli that you uh, made reference to before. You know, he's supposedly this malevolent being, but, you know, really he's just the lonely dude that wants to play some games with people sort of thing and has this, this face or this front. Uh, that's broken mm. down by you know uh, Tendi and, and Mac and just treating him like a uh, a person yeah. sort of thing even though he's yeah super being. Uh, but, I uh, think it. Uh, I think um, yeah. I want to say something about that really quick. Corson, to me, I, the reason why I created that character is because I think that one of the worst things that's happening in the world right now is we're it's too easy for us to for lack of a better word not meant to be a pun but it's so easy for us to demonize people mm. right now yeah. and i think yeah. i think that's because of the distance and the safety that's been created by the way that we communicate with other people in the world we don't have to look them in the eye anymore we don't have to you know go next door and ask them for flour we can do that through doordash like these aren't our neighbors um we see people that we disagree with and we ascribe to them a title like malevolent and that's just what they are and they're just reduced to nothing and i think that's yeah. one of the messages that as i started writing the show i'm like i really want to convey this that we're all a little malevolent we're all a little benevolent sometimes we're more malevolent than we are benevolent but nobody is one-sided like yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's 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 exactly what I got from that Cosnopoli uh, episode, and uh, I, I I thought I I knew what you were trying to do with that, which was you know, I think you achieved it, which was was great. But you you totally correct in terms of we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also more disconnected than we've ever been. You know, I see mm -hmm. that with my my kid. And, you know, the way they interact with their peer groups and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'd go out and we'd get on a bike and we'd go get together and we'd go play cricket or something like that. And the kids talk to each other over the Xbox now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. If, yeah. to me, that's not having friends sort of thing. You're no. interacting with your friends, really. So Yeah, um, and, and yeah. sometimes it turns into that. I have It's funny. Mm -hmm. I have a neighbor who lives across the street who actually the, the people who ended up being um the what what are they called at a, a, a at a wedding i don't know if they call them the same thing in australia or england but um the witnesses is that what they are the witnesses at a wedding um anyways this couple that was that he that he played gears of war with for years yeah. drove all the way from texas to arizona to uh <laughs> to wow. be, but no i think you're i think you're absolutely right and so that's that's a conversation that i have with my kids very often because i see them falling into these traps of and i and i do too all the time yeah. i'll just kind of yeah. accept what i'll just kind of accept anything and there's definitely a lot of things wrong with a lot of people and there's things that we have to be weary of and in whatever but at the same time i just want to acknowledge like everybody is a human everybody had a mom and a dad and you know potentially their own kids they're all relating to people in different ways not always to take that at sight value well the other thing is too with Corson and that that inter interaction between Tendi and Mac it was a bit of what you put out is what you get back you know they treated him a certain way and he actually 
although he seemed like a, a figure that was looking for, you know, he was lonely, he was looking for that interaction, but they they treated him just like a person sort of thing and he was able, he appreciated that and he, he sort of, you know, they, they ended up being, I guess, friends. Uh, considering so uh no i i I, that was one of my favorite episodes actually so that's definitely based on real life experience i think Mm -hmm. um because i've i i struggled with uh working with someone one time they were very scary to me and i think they wanted to come i think they wanted to come across that way but I had to work with this person and my life would be living hell if I didn't figure out how to deal with it. Um, and so I just went and sat down with them at lunch one day. They were sitting okay. by themselves, just went and sat down at, at the table with them and started talking to them. And we found out that we had a lot in common. And at some point I said, it feels like you have a problem with me. What what is it? Because I'd like to, you know, if it's something I can control, I'd like to address it. And they said, I just don't trust you because I don't know you. And I said, well, let's get to know each other. And every two weeks for the remainder of the time that I worked there, we got together for 30 minutes around lunchtime um, and just hung out. And they ended up becoming a close friend. And I genuinely believe that if we could get better at being kind and i'm not perfect at this by any means but if we could get better at being kind to the people who scare us um or even who are mean to us never to the point where we where we willingly accept abuse i don't think that's a good idea um no but when we're when we try to be kind to people who maybe seem a little prickly uh i think a lot of times that's that's just worked out for me really well um and they Mm -hmm. usually end up being really good friends yeah, and for a lot of people, I think that's just a defense mechanism anyway. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's Sorry, our Mark. defense mechanisms. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So, um, an, an interesting side to this that I really like is the fact that the show was going for so long, and then you brought out Desert Skies FM, which doesn't follow the show specifically. It's like, it doesn't you don't have to listen to the show to know what's you don't have to know what's going on with the main show to listen to these mm-hmm. desert skies fm it's like little bits you know outside of the main story yeah but the interesting thing is you get the relationship between tendy and mac in mm-hmm. this in these desert skies and that's what makes it really interesting is that it's almost is that what it is it's sort of like the continuation of their friendship and how they are as people with each other. Mm. It's looking more into that. Yeah. I think um, when I created desert skies FM, I wanted something that people could listen to on the way to work. I wanted it to be a commute. Um, And again, coming back to, I like, I don't want them listening to political radio. I don't want them listening to anything that's incredibly stressful because work is already stressful. Right. So it's like they're headed to work or maybe they're at home and they're, do you know making breakfast before they get started or whatever um i just wanted something they could listen to and feel like these are friends these are gentle conversations they're they're deep conversations but also funny um that could just kind of like lift people lift people up some folks i know some folks put those on when they go to sleep similarly to the other ones 
they'll just put them on uh, on their headphones and they drift off halfway through the second uh, second episode, which is really which is really cool to me. Um, they're incredibly low lift, which is really nice. So they're um, because of the format, I don't have to worry so much about audio quality because it's meant to sound like it's coming through a radio. No panning, no additional sound effects for the most part. So they're they're very simple to write um, and to record which is good. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to just kind of convey with that is things aren't always happening on the astral, on the astral plane. Like these guys have dealt with millions of travelers, uh, millions upon millions. And though for them, it doesn't feel like that. Um, there's just a lot of time where things are mundane and they're just sending out messages. To folks and i like to imagine those times i think more so than even the plot moving forward in a lot of ways um and it also just kind of drills home like this is their job they're not always interacting with sphere movers and doing all of these wild things a lot of times they're just sending out broadcasts and trying to keep people safe on the astral highway so i thought darren was going to ask something then he was, I think he was waiting for that question to ask about the Skylark, but now that he knows that it <laughs> is not important. <laughs> I've had to move uh, the, the phone out of the, the car at the moment, so sorry if the, it's not uh, great audio quality at the moment, guys. But uh, No, it's fine. I think I think Darren's question is, uh, if anyone knows where you can get a, uh, get a Buick start Skylark from. <sighs> good, <laughs> good luck, Darren, because I... I originally planned to create a patron tier that was going to be $10,000. I will find you a Skylark and drive it to your house and deliver it to you. And I realized that would be very difficult to do. They're for a 1986 Buick Skylark. There's not a whole lot of them still running in good condition out there, which is in part, again, why it's so funny, I think, in the show that I've made them a perfect car that cannot break. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask, uh, what uh, with Weiwei, mm -hmm. why why name me a coyote or a coyote Weiwei? Yeah, so Weiwei is actually he's actually based on um, an ancient Aztec god named okay. Weiwei Weiwei Coyotl, and okay. Weiwei Coyotl is the god of dancing. He's a bit of a prankster, very powerful. Um, yep. he's also like the God of promiscuous intercourse, which is really funny, uh, to me, which I've alluded to somewhat in, in the show. Um, yeah, non-discriminatory just, yeah, he just likes to, he likes yep. to do that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, that's where he came from. I generally try to choose names that have some sort of significance in terms of, um, like ancient religions and, and different yes. things when it comes to sphere movers, because they're supposed to be gods you know, in some small respect. Uh, I might be out of line asking this question, but I thought I'd ask it anyway. You can always cut this out, Marv, if you're, uh, uh, especially if, uh, uh, if Jared doesn't want to answer it. But um, uh, considering what Desert Skies is, do you have a concept of the afterlife mm. yourself or are you a religious person or? Yeah. Um... I think I definitely 
have at different points had different concepts of the afterlife. I consider myself a religious person, like I would say, and I probably differ from a few, if not many of my listeners in that regard. Um, I'm hopeful that there is an afterlife. I have a really difficult time believing that this consciousness could end. And what exactly that afterlife looks like has definitely morphed over the years. I think as a child, it was very simplistic. It was spirits in, you know, um, clouds playing harps and wearing robes, the vision of the vision of an afterlife that many of us have had. Um, and I think over the years, as I've just thought about it a lot more, I just can't imagine that the complexity of life would suddenly disappear and that we'd be left with this overly simplistic and mundane and bland afterlife, should we have one. Um, the show, though, was never meant to be a religious story. And so as far as no, Desert Skies is, yeah, definitely. And and I don't think people have ever actually taken it that way. Like it's, it's um, more so meant to serve as a tool yeah. by making, by making folks dead, uh, which is a weird, just a weird sentence uh, by making folks dead. Uh, I'm, I'm able to take them outside of the activity of their present life, which is where we miss so many things. I'm convinced that if there is an afterlife, um, that one of the wildest things will be the, uh, the hindsight that we're suddenly gifted with, uh, the ability uh -huh. to look back and see the totality of our life. And I'm sure there will be some beautiful things there, but there's also going to be some regrets. And so by, by having the story take place in the afterlife, there's already some finality in terms of what people are dealing with they're looking back on it and how could i have dealt with it differently which presents an opportunity to see like how can we deal with that feeling yeah yeah now yeah. that there's no control over it but also to to somewhat like inspire people take action now you know i had a guy who said um in very colorful language he's like um that that <laughs> that 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 an episode had hit him really hard. And he said, it just made him think he needs to go hug his kids. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. I love that when, when people decide not just hugging their kids, but restoring relationships that are broken now, because you can hold a grudge forever and you think it's going to get easier someday to let it go. It's not, it gets worse. Do you really want to carry that into, um, do you really want to carry that out of this life? with you do you really want to be on your deathbed someday and be mm. regretting the fact that you can't change that now um and yeah. so that's that's the vehicle that kind of helps out death in the afterlife is kind of the vehicle that allows that to happen in the stories what about you i, I, I want to turn I, it back on you now do you do you think there's an afterlife uh <laughs> damn didn't expect that one um <laughs> uh probably not uh mm. i'm um i'm not as hopeful or as optimistic uh unfortunately uh, 
grew up in a household with a non-practicing Catholic grandfather who was probably what you call a man of science. And mm. uh, uh, because of that, had a very big influence on on uh, on me and and mm. uh, and then obviously an independent thought as well. I, I pretty much come to I've come to the accommodation with what there probably isn't after we die, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but I'm married to uh, um, um, a woman who is I won't say devoutly religious, but she she's she has faith. So we we have discussions about that and. Mm. Now, there's been periods in my life where I've, I've always thought, well, maybe there is more, and and uh, I'm very curious about you know the paranormal and things like that. I love mm. that sort of stuff anyway, yeah. uh, and not just for entertainment, but also to see whether or not there's anything there with any legitimacy as well that you know mm. will actually prove that there is something more. And I'm quite open to there there being something else, and I hope it's like desert skies. I, uh, you know, that reminds me of a, probably one of my absolute favorite horror films, which is 1408 with John oh, Cusack. Cusack, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, how for him, the like, that's that's why he goes into paranormal research yes. is he doesn't believe in it, exactly. but he wants to. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's funny, you know, if you, growing up in a in a religious um, context it was oftentimes used to kind of scare people to live your life. They'd tell him, you know, live your life as though there's an afterlife, right? Because you had something to be afraid of, which I think is the terrible thing to communicate to people. But also at the same time, I think there's a benefit to, even if we think differently on this specific topic, I think there's a benefit to also considering, um, what would it look like to live my life? Like there is no afterlife. And I think that would, that would, at least if you're in a good place, I feel like that would inspire you to deal with stuff now instead of feeling like more immediately, instead of feeling like, well, I have a million years or a billion years to do this. I can always get Mm. to it later. And for those of us who are procrastinators, that's not always helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Look, it's, it's funny with, um, uh, I, I don't consider myself, like I said, a, a religious person at all. But you know, there are a lot of tenets to Christianity that you know, in terms of the way you deal with people and and the way you interact and you know, uh, do unto others and things like that, which I think are nearly absolute truths. Um, mm. That uh, you can live your, your life by, but unfortunately, the rest of the world, there's a lot of people that don't live their, their life by those tenets, and that's mm. where we uh, we come unstuck. So, uh, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I'm not a massive fan of organized religion. I have seen I, my opinion has been used a lot of times <laughs> throughout history as a tool mm-hmm. of, uh, um, you know, uh, asserting power. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's probably not a a popular <laughs> opinion, but it is what it is. I, anybody who wants to pretend like there isn't um, things to deal with in terms of what we claim to believe and how we actually behave towards people is is lying to themselves mm. because uh yeah there's religion 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 at its best can be a powerful tool but in the wrong hands it's very dangerous oh 100 percent. yeah yeah it can be <laughs> look it can be salvation and hope for some people but 
it can be like you said it can be a tool for suppression and oppression from mm-hmm. from, from others so depending on uh, how they want to wield that power so uh yeah absolutely yeah, sure uh gentlemen on that note i have to leave unfortunately i i'm sorry marv and sorry uh jared uh, that sounds that sounds a little <laughs> that sounds a little foreboding. We're talking about the afterlife, and you have to leave. What exactly do you mean, Darren? <laughs> well, there's a Buick Skylark backed up behind my carrier at the moment. And oh goodness! So. And you see a coyote off to the side. Things are not looking good. No, uh, someone didn't, <laughs> didn't send me the memo. So. Well, it was yes, really nice I, talking to, to you. Yeah, it's been fantastic and uh apologies marv too uh i uh i did say i probably only got about an hour though but um but but uh i'd love to speak to you both again uh in the future sometime and maybe i even uh jared if you uh, i'd love to have you on the show one day as well uh my show but uh i would love to do that much considering i'm on marv's show so um (laughs) i'll let you have a fantastic uh, rest of your conversation with marv and i'll uh i'll just uh slip out the side door before you go, Darren, just let people know where to find you. Uh, MyGuestListPod.com, pretty much uh, go to the website and uh, uh, all my link tree uh, on Linktree, MyGuestListPod, uh, everything's there. But uh, yeah, my list, MyGuestListPod.com has pretty much got it all. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, thank, you, thank you very much for inviting me on, Marv. Uh, that was very, very uh, gracious of you. And uh, I'm you knew I wanted to, I was really invested in Jared's uh, podcast. So I, I really want to thank you for in, inviting me on. So it's been, it's been fantastic actually speaking to you both and finally getting to speak with Jared and not just lurk in his uh, Twitter spaces. <laughs> An we'll, let you get pleasure. On with, we'll let you get on with your traveling. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good day. Take care. You too. So what advice would you give to anybody then starting a podcast of their own? Don't Google how to make a successful podcast. Avoid all of that, like the plague. If it's written by someone who's actually been successful, which it hasn't, but if it has been, uh, you're not them and you won't be successful for the same reasons as they are. And also they only... They only define success by numbers and your ability to monetize your show, which is near impossible. And I will say this, and I don't mean to like make anybody lose heart uh, if that is their hope, but you are at the whim of algorithms. By and large, you're going into a huge pool of other audio dramas and podcasts and uh, of all various sorts. and uh, depending on a certain type of engagement and a certain type of way that people listen, your show may get shown to others and it may not. Don't let that discourage you. Just make the the thing that you really want to make and enjoy making it. Um, anytime that you see a 20-year-old, because I was one, I'm, I, 20-year-olds, I'm not putting you down um, by any means, but anytime you see somebody who's brand new to like podcasting, um, this industry, life in general, uh, come out and try to act like they're a guru when it comes to podcasting. Just shut that noise down right away. The I, the number of times that I've heard this genre is dead. Nobody wants to hear this. Too many people are doing this. Um, no, absolutely not. Somebody says there's too many horror podcasts out there. Yours might be completely different. Yours might be better than 99% of them. Yeah. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. 
there there is a lot of somebody got a microphone and they just made something and that's no that's not putting them down at all that that's what they wanted to do um go out do what you're going to do put your whole heart into it you will find an audience and it might be an audience of 50 it might be an audience of 100 it might be an audience of 1000 or 10 or 20 but if you're putting your heart into something that you believe in um there's someone out there who's going to love it so just do that um any other advice that i might give uh lean heavily into the podcaster community from my experience they're all very very supportive yeah um the few that aren't i've heard tale of but i haven't met them so that's good we've successfully avoided each other um when you're when you are um if you're thinking about doing humor but people don't tell you that you're funny don't do humor don't lean on it just because you think it's easy um it that that can be really cringe just do whatever is whatever is something you genuinely care about genuinely love genuinely want to listen to like would you want to listen to your podcast um and maybe someone who's genuinely not funny would make a humorous podcast that they want to listen to later <laughs> on hey more power to them that's great and and also at the same time take everything that i say with a grain of salt because I, I i'm new to this um and i'm very fortunate that it's connected with uh some some folks but I'm really not in a position to give um, that great of advice more so than just do the thing that you really want to do and do it to the best of your ability and it'll work out. Well, as you've, as you've just noticed, I mean, what you were saying about making friends with other podcasters, even in the same genre, you know, uh, Darren does the same, a similar type of show to me where he speaks to podcasters about their shows. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my best friends online in the podcasting world are people who make similar sort of shows. Shout out to Ariel Nissenblatt, who very famously does shows about shows and is a really good podcaster as well. Mm -hmm. So what sort of podcast do you like to listen to yourself? I love um I love investigative journalism. I'm not a huge fan of true crime. Um though I've listened to some of those in the past and and I did find uh some of them uh very engaging. Um but I don't like the way that I feel. Generally I'm not able to like separate myself from that stuff very easily. Um but not not that I'm committing crimes and I relate to the <laughs> the person committing <laughs> the crimes, but um the ones that I listen to, like um there there's one from uh public media that came out not too long ago that a friend just recommended and I was enthralled called uh Sold a Story, which is talking about the way that we changed how we teach reading um in the u.s and what a catastrophe it's been for young folks um and uh just investigating like how did that happen why have we still not fixed it stuff like that is just so interesting to me and i love npr style public radio style voices um those or accents like yours can just are some of the most pleasant sounds i feel like uh out there so, um, yeah, anything, anything from folks, uh, in the public media space just tends to really jive with my brain. 
Well, luckily, this isn't going out in visual form because I'm very red-faced after that. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you and get hold of you then, Jared? Um, I, primary place is DesertSkiesPodcast.com. Basically, everything you could you could think of is there. Um, but then also I'm on Twitter, uh, handle at Desert Skies Pod. And I love I love hearing from people and I love interacting with them on Twitter. So I highly encourage folks to meet me there. That's great. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, Jared. Thank you. It was this is uh this is my first um request for an interview. And I I hope it I hope they're all like this because you may have set me up in some way to be disappointed in the future. Maybe they're terrible. These other podcasts. I don't know. Not that I'm receiving a bunch of invitations, but this has been really, really pleasant. Um and really, really fun just to be able to talk to you. I think it's an important show, like we were saying, you know, during it. I think there's a lot of positives in the show and mm-hmm. there's more to it than it just being an audio drama. It's got a lot of good messages therein that I think a lot of people a lot more people need to listen to it and get something from it i think well thank you for that anyway you can get hold of pods like us on twitter facebook instagram and tiktok and you can also contact us through pods like us at gmail.com i say yours there's only me really but anyway thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of pods like us So where is he? This is your chance, Darren. Come on, Darren. Come on. <laughs> so yes, I think he's gone from uh, from Melbourne to Victoria. So he said he's he's travelled to them. It's kilometres, so he's travelled two hundred plus kilometres from home. Whatever that is in miles. I have no idea. Not a clue. These people who use strange measurements. I know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you think you think we learn? We don't. We like to dig our heels in here, I guess. I'm not sure. Well, the strange one is in England. I think we use we use meters, mm-hmm. but when it comes to measuring height, we we use feet and inches, which is very strange. Really? really? Yeah. I'm convinced that nothing is real most of the time. Life just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when I hear stuff like that, it just reinforces my... <laughs> So I'm the same height as Tom Cruise. I'm five foot seven. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm I'm five ten, which is uh we we had a president that was that short one time. I always tell myself that like I could have been president, but it's very unlikely. Like a two percent out of all of our US presidents were five ten. But then um, you would be all your members of staff at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> With different voices. That's right. <laughs> is it so it's nine nine o'clock where you are? It is nine o'clock where I am. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Can I ask really quick, how did you how did you find the show? How'd you come across it? Uh Darren 
Darren from my guest list pod. He, oh, nice. he sent me a message and he said, Oh, you, you should try this out, Marv. So so I did, and I'm up to date with that and Desert Skies FM and waiting for nice. more to come. Nice. Well, that's good. Darren, Darren's Darren's helping the show. He is. Sounds like. Yeah. He's not here. If he happens to if he happens to show up in the middle of the conversation, it makes sense for you to stop. But it won't bother me at all for us no. to no. to pause. Yeah. Who is that? I was just listening to an episode of yours. They're they're like a sci-fi magazine mm-hmm. type podcast. There were three individuals. Yeah. And you did you just the way I what I found listening it seemed like was you just get them to really start going without a whole lot of effort. They just start opening up and you give them the space to, and that's really cool. Really cool. So I'm excited to share it. Um, once if you're probably after this season is over, I'd love to be able to share an ep- this episode on my feed um, yep. and just push as many people to it as, as possible. Cause it's, it's excellent. Like I said, I've listened to a few episodes and I, I love it. And I'll be listening to more. I'll probably find some pretty good podcasts here. Thank you. You actually picked up on an interesting episode there. So that was with uh, Robbie the Robot's Waiting. Mm -hmm. And the story behind that was I was incredibly nervous for a stupid reason, probably, because all three of them have worked for a magazine that I've read since issue one over 20 years ago. So I've it's read amazing. their articles. So I'm actually a fan of their work in the written form and then went from that to listening to them in the podcast. Wow. And so you so, were so for you, you were hanging out with celebrities. I was, I was doing like fanboys. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Can I ask? Um, so th- those are they're sci-fi writers and yeah. for magazines. Was that largely Star Trek? Because I it seemed like you were very in tune with the Star Trek world. Uh, when I was listening to that and even the next generation example that you gave, was that, was that the thing that got you reading those magazines or were you just a huge fan of sci-fi in general? Just a huge fan of sci-fi in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, so book Rogers, when I was younger, I watched the book Rogers series Mm. or the old um, Battlestar Galactica and the modern version. So I'm very much seeped in the sci-fi. Nice. In a strange way, probably is why your show pulled me in because it's got that element of that to it yeah i still haven't figured out if it's actually sci-fi or not i i think i've had i've seen people say it's not and maybe they're elitist i don't know it's always felt sci-fi to me just because there's a moon and stars <laughs> so i don't know but i i i feel like it is it's got that weirdness um but it, it works it works in the same way as some of the best star trek works mm. to me mm-hmm. uh which is that it's allegorical in yeah. a sense it's it there's something there behind it some of the best episodes of sci-fi or films of sci-fi have a meaning behind them like the ones where they hide the race issue in some of the episodes oh yeah by making it about different planets or, or mm-hmm. this that and the other it's an interesting way around looking at it because I, I i said to someone else about another show that they do uh, somebody called Vuk who used to make Dar- uh, Darwin's deviations. You might find that interesting, actually, where he looks mm-hmm. at, I mean, that that's down. not really a drama as such, 
but he uses different voices and different characters in that. And that had a start and a finish as well, by the way. That's not coming back. Did you say Dar- uh, Darwin's... Darwin's Deviations. Deviations. And he uses different voices and different... this, But he gets facts across about different creatures or different, like, strange, mm-hmm. even not real creatures, and some real creatures as well. But I said to him that, in a way, that makes puts the point across better than when he was trying to teach at school. Yeah. because Or how it's taught, because you're making entertainment from it, Mm-hmm. And in a sense, you learn more from entertainment than you do from being in a classroom. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, I think sci-fi is a perfect, when you think of genres, and I'll, I'll toss them out there, like, I haven't dipped my toes much in that world, but I read The Three-Body Problem a few years ago. Have you read Three-Body Problem? I haven't, no. I highly recommend checking that one out i think you would enjoy it it's a it's definitely got a deeper message um in it and so so good but apart from that i haven't been i haven't been exposed to a lot of sci-fi so if you think of any books or anything you'd like to recommend um please send them my way because i could always use something i've I've got a couple of recommendations for you not necessarily book wise you're ready for a podcast have you heard aaron mankey's cabinet of curiosities I have not listened to that yet. That is fabulous. They're around 10 minutes each, and the interesting, true stories that have a weird twist. And one of the weird, one of the ones that got me, but my, my other half already knew about it because she she's big, not has a lot of knowledge about, about Titanic and oh, the really? sinking of it and whatever. But there's this woman who worked on the Titanic, survived. But then she worked on. Then she ended up working on another one of the ships that was from the same company. That also had a. That also sank. And then she went into another one that had an accident but didn't sink. And then she lived to the nineteen seventies. Oh my goodness! What are the odds? But in the nineteen seventies, she received a letter from somebody who was this person, and this person that sent her the letter is the baby that she rescued from the Titanic. <laughs> what? Life is strange. And that's one of the stories. Mm. I love that. I'll, I'll check but that out. Almost the same title, television-wise or program-wise, on Netflix, you've got Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I want to check that out because I love Guillermo del Toro. That is a really good series. Yes. Well, I will check those out and I will report back to you. At some and point. I would chat with you for longer, but we've had a really busy day today. I'm sure you have. I'll talk to you, I'm sure, at some point in the future. would love to connect again. It's been a pleasure. I would love that. Thank you, Jared. You take care. You too. Bye. Can't wait for the next episode. Take care. <laughs> no <Bye>. pressure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>